In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today in the reading of the Gospel, we read from the Gospel of St. Luke, one of the early stories um, at the time when Christ was still selecting his uh, 12 disciples. And we read the story of when Christ came to St. Peter, and he told him that he wanted to use his boat so that he could go out and preach to the people from his boat because there was a large number of people present. He says to him, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Christ is using the, the tools and the things and the people that are all around him to help him in the ministry. You think about what Christ could have actually done in that moment to begin to preach, as he could have started walking on the water and gone out on his own and stood there in front of everybody, and everybody would marvel that he is doing this miracle and how much attention would he receive. And, and he didn't need anyone's boat. He didn't need anything from anyone at all to do the mission that he came to do. And yet we see throughout the ministry of Christ that he was always using the, 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 the people that were willing to work with him to come to minister with him, to serve with him, to participate in this work with him. And he was always very keen to um, include other people and to lift them up from their status. You know, St. Peter, he was a fisherman. He didn't have any special status. He wasn't well known. He wasn't a celebrity. He didn't really have a bright future in terms of, you know, anything else other than being a fisherman. That was all he was going to be for the rest of his life. And yet Christ chose him to be something more than what he believed that he was going to be because he was willing to work with him, because that he had faith and he believed and he allowed Christ to come and use his boat after a very long night of fishing. He, Christ was able to use him for much more than simply being a fisher of fish and turned him into a fisher of men. So um, I want to speak a little bit today about what are some of the ways that Christ uses us, that he lifts us up, that, that he allows us to participate with him in his work, in his service, um, and, and how he all wants us also to do this with one another. He wants us to lift each other up. So God willing, today we're going to speak about the ways that Christ lifted up the people, and next week... We will speak about some of the pitfalls and some ways that we shouldn't be lifting people up or what is a wrong perception of what it means to respect and to lift up people. So the first way that we see that Christ lifted up people is by making them feel that they are needed. Making them feel that they are needed. The good example is the example we just spoke about, which was that Christ is using St. Peter's boat. He made St. Peter feel like he was important, like he had something important to offer. Sometimes we come to the church and we think, what is it that I can really offer to God? What is it that I can offer to the church? Maybe I don't have the ability to preach. I don't have the ability to teach in Sunday school. I don't have the, the typical qualities that one might expect that a servant in the church would have. And yet Christ calls us all to serve in some way. We all have different capabilities and capacities and skills and talents that God has given to each of us that God wants us to use in the service of the church, to find some way that we would serve God in the church, to serve our families at home, to serve the community in general. In every way, God is calling us to serve with him. It is not that God is going to do everything on his own, but he is calling us to serve with him. Another example of how Christ made uh, other people feel that they're needed is when he was trying to find the donkey that he would use on Hosanna Sunday to ride as he entered into Jerusalem. And he told the apostles to go and to find a specific donkey. And he said to them, what if anyone asks you, why are you losing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. Can only imagine that this person who owned this donkey that later on realized how is it that Christ used this donkey of his and why is it his donkey? 
Why is it that this specific person that owned this donkey was the one that Christ used to, 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 for this service? Maybe because he would be a person that would be so willing to lend the donkey that the only thing that, that he had to be said to him was, the Lord has need of it. You know, imagine if someone comes to you and says, you know, I need your car. I'm going to take your car. The Lord has need of it. Uh, what would be our reaction to that? It would be like, um, yeah, my neighbor has a car. You can go get his car, right? This man was so faithful to where just simply saying to him, the Lord has need of it, it would allow him to give away his donkey, right? Christ made him feel like he was needed. He could have found a wild donkey. He could have found any, uh, he could have created a donkey, right? But instead, he went and found a person who had a donkey that was willing to share it. And from this, he used it for his service. When he was speaking with the Samaritan woman, okay, he came to her, even though he was at the well, he said to her, what, give me something to drink. He wanted to engage her. He wanted her to feel like she had something she could offer him, even though she was a sinful woman, and even though she felt ashamed, and she felt like she shouldn't even be talking to him, and yet he made her feel comfortable by asking her to give him something that he needed. He includes us in the service. Also on the, the miracle of distributing the five loaves and the two fish to the multitude of people, he involved the apostles in the service. He involved the, the young boy who offered the five loaves and the two fish. He involved the apostles to go and to distribute the food to all of the people and to pick up the remaining fragments of what was left over. In every way, Christ made the apostles and the people feel like he wasn't doing everything by himself. He needed other people with him to do it. We know that he didn't actually need anyone. We know that he didn't actually need because he could have done it all alone. But out of his love for us, he wants us to participate, make us feel that we are needed, and this is one of the ways that he lifts us up. He makes us feel that we are important, that he cares about what it is that we can offer to him. The second way that Christ lifted up people is by having patience with those people who are working with him. Christ, now that he is engaging with us and working with us, he has to tolerate our failures. He has to tolerate our weaknesses. He has to tolerate that we are not God, that we cannot do things as he does them, that we are going to misunderstand, that we are going to have selfish motives, that we are not going to be as successful for sure as he would be if he were doing this himself. And this tells us even more about his love for us, that, he, that he's not asking us to do these things because we are doing a good job. He's asking us to do these things despite the fact that we oftentimes do not do a good job. And we see many examples in the scripture of, of, of God being very patient with his servants. Okay? For instance, Abraham. Abraham lied about his wife Sarah being his wife, and so uh, Abimelech took, him, took her as his own wife. And yet God was very patient, and he spoke to Abimelech and said, Now therefore restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. We don't even read anywhere in the scripture that God even rebuked Abraham for what it is it that he had done. If we look at the example of Jonah that God sent Jonah as a special uh, minister to go and to preach to the people of Nineveh, and yet Jonah fled from him. Again, God was very gentle and restored him again. The uh, apostle Thomas, who doubted that he had actually resurrected and risen from the dead, again, he was very patient, and he came and he appeared again to the apostles with Thomas present so that he could see for himself and touch the wounds in his body so that he would believe that he has actually been risen from the dead. We read actually in the life of the apostles many, many times the apostles didn't understand. They had selfish motives. They were arguing about who of them is the best. And they, they wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy the people that rejected them. And in every way, Christ was so patient with them. And he didn't say, you know what, you people, 
are just uh, annoying me. Your people are, are not able to do what it is that I've called you to do. I'm going to pick somebody else. Or I'm just going to do it myself. We don't see this happening with Christ. He was so patient with the people he was with. And God also wants us to be patient with one another. Sometimes we have people that are in certain positions of service and they struggle in those positions. They struggle to, to fill the shoes of those positions. And sometimes our first instinct is we need to fire this person. This person is not doing a good job. We need to replace this person with somebody else because this person isn't, isn't qualified or isn't adequate. And certainly there can be times where a person is unable completely to do a service, but this should not be the first response that we have whenever we find that someone is failing in something is to say, let's remove them. This is the way of the world. In the way of the world, all we care about in the world, all the world cares about is that the job gets done. This is the only thing the world cares about. Whoever is going to be in the position, the only person I care about being in there is the one who's going to do the best job because all I care about the job itself. I don't care about the people. I care about the job. In the church, we care about the people. It's not just about the job. It's not just about the task that needs to be done. I care about the person doing the task. The God is using the service of each of us, not only so that we would serve one another, but so that God actually serves me through this service. I benefit from the service that God gives me. And that's why God has patience with me, because he wants to use this service to help me to grow. He uses the service that he offers me to help me to see, to have faith, to believe, to strengthen my connection with him. And in this is the reason why he is so patient. He wants us there because he chose us. He called us to be in the places that God has called us to be. The third uh, characteristic of how or the third way that Christ lifts other people is by acknowledging those who are lowly in heart. We see the example of Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, who was short and he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus. And even though it was, there was a crowd of people everywhere and there was people in every place, we read in Luke 19, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him. He looked up and he saw him. Like it was so, even though there was hundreds or thousands of people all everywhere, and yet the Bible specifically mentions that this man, he, Christ looked up in the tree and he saw him and then he began to speak with him. He began to have a conversation with him. He acknowledged him because he was humble and lowly in heart and wanted to see him even if it meant climbing a tree. The woman who was a sinner that came to anoint his feet says, Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. He again acknowledged her. Even though the people around in that scene when this, this sinful woman came and she began to wash his feet with her tears, they all rebuked her, even in their thoughts. And they said, who is this woman who is coming from the streets, who is a sinner and coming trying to offer this in the middle of our dinner party? And she's coming to offer this to him. This is something offensive to them. They didn't, they didn't want this to happen. It was something offensive that this woman would come and do this. And yet Christ, he cared about her and even though she was lowly and humble, and even though she was not by any means uh, accepted by society, and she was seen as a sinner, and yet Christ favored her, and Christ defended her, and he loved her, and he showed her kindness, and he forgave her sins. So Christ lifts us up by acknowledging even those who are the lowest of us. Those whom we tend to forget are the ones that God remembers the most. The ones that people who are outcasts, the ones who have been rejected, the ones who are sorrowful, the ones who have sinned and are, are suffering the consequences of their sin, those are the ones that Christ sees. He knows them. And he calls them by name and he wants to restore them again and lift them up to where they were before. And this is where he uses us as the church to be a place where those people can come. 
a place where those people who have been rejected are able to come and to find restoration and to find love and acceptance and peace because Christ wants us to see this, them in this way. He doesn't want us to be like Simon the Pharisee who when he saw this sinful woman coming to him, he simply judged her and deemed himself to be better than her and didn't want her in his presence. This is not how we should treat those who are sinners who are coming for with a repentant heart seeking like uh, communion and seeking reconciliation again with God. The fourth characteristic of the way that Christ lifts us up is he chooses those who are not well regarded. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame, to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. When he came and he chose fishermen to be the, the greatest apostles and the messengers that he has ever chosen from among those who are an uneducated fishermen, this tells us something about his priorities and his understanding. He didn't choose those people who were Pharisees who had a very high level of theological knowledge. He didn't choose those people who were in powerful positions. He didn't choose those people who were wealthy and had a lot of influence. He chose the people with the least influence, with the least money, with the least education, that had no background in anything uh, of what they were going to do. And he wanted them to feel very uh, unqualified for this service that they were going to do so that they would trust him completely 100% with this. Matthew, the tax collector, he was also one of the disciples and one of the evangelists that wrote the Gospel of St. Matthew. And yet he was a tax collector. He, had, he didn't have any, any background in any of this. Mary Magdalene, she was a demon-possessed woman. And he cast out of her seven demons. And yet she was a great disciple of his and useful for him in the ministry. So God chooses those who, again, who are not well regarded by society. He chooses to use those ones who we think are actually the least qualified to be the ones that he uses in the service. Another way that Christ lifts up people is by defending the sinners. The woman who was caught in adultery and brought before the Pharisees to be stoned he responded to those who were stoning her and said, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. He wasn't quick to condemn the sinner. Even though Christ is the most righteous and Christ is the judge and Christ is the one who has the, the right to judge anyone because he is the creator, he is the judge and he is perfect and he has never committed any sin. And yet he is the one who is the most uh, merciful. He is the one who is the most patient. He is the one who is the most wanting to like to hear or to, to, to accept the repentance of any person. No matter, no matter how bad the sin that they committed is, he is the one who is wanting to accept and, and, and to, to call to repentance and accept and forgive any person. We, unfortunately, the ones who are fellow sinners with those who sin, we are the ones that are so quick to judge them. We are the ones that are blinded to our own sins. And sometimes judge people that commit the same very sins that we ourselves commit and yet we point fingers at them and judge them and say, you are a sinner. How could you have done this? I don't even want to see your face. But look at the way that Christ deals with people. Even though he is so gentle and so loving and so perfect, and yet he does not, he tolerates those people who are the opposite of him. He, he tolerates those people that are struggling and weak and sinful to bring them to repentance. So God wants us to defend the sinners. Again, God wants the church to be a place where those who are sinful can come to be healed of their sin. 
when we all can come together here and acknowledge that we are weak and sinful so that Christ would heal us of our sin and that we would defend our brothers and sisters that are weak, not defending the sin that they commit, not exalting or celebrating the sin that they commit, but defending those people as still being children of God, people that God has created, that he wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth and to repent of their sins. The sixth uh, way that Christ lifted people up was by giving hope to those people who fell in sin. <coughs> we see many examples of people that fall into sin, and yet how Christ and God served them, helped them, like gave them something, even though they didn't deserve it. For instance, Adam and Eve, after they sinned, it says also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Immediately after they sinned, he is there in the process of casting them out of the Garden of Eden, and yet at the same time, he's not abandoning them. Yes, they chose a wrong choice, and they will suffer the consequences of the choice they chose. But God does not abhor them. He does not hate them. He still loves them, and he wants to give them what it is that they need. He's giving them even these clothes uh, of, of skin that they are now wearing even though that they have been rejected from the garden. When St. Peter sinned against Christ, he also restored him again to his apostleship. He was not quick to judge him. He wanted to give hope to people. Sometimes, again, we do not give hope. We, we give condemnation and we give judgment. God wants us to give hope to one another. No matter how much we have sinned, no matter how weak we are, no matter what bad decisions we have made, there is always a restoration. There's always a return. There's always another day for me to change, another day for me to, to make up for the sins that I have committed. There's another day for me to repent. God is waiting and patient for us to the very end, giving hope to those people who messed it up and didn't do the right make the right choices for them to return. The last uh, way that Christ lifts up people that we're going to discuss today is that he rewards those equally who offer less. He rewards equally those people who offer less. What does that mean? If you look in the parable of the talents, parable of the talents, this uh, master gave uh, talents or money to different people, of, to d varying amounts of money to different people. And he said, go and invest this money, invest these talents, so that when I return from my trip, I will find that the money has increased with interest. And he gave this money to three different people. To one person, he gave five talents. To one person, he gave two talents. And to one person, he gave one talent. And the one who gave five talents, who gave five talents, he gained five more talents. And the one who he gave two talents gained two more talents. And for both of those people that, that gained those talents, he, he says he gave them the same reward. He said, what? Enter into the joy of the Lord. Enter into the joy of the Lord. This is what he, he, he rewarded them with. He rewarded them with the same reward. Also, in the parable of the 11th hour workers, right? In this parable, many different people came to work for this um, vine dresser, uh, vineyard owner, at various times of the day. And he ended up giving the same wage to those people who came from the very first hour in the morning to work to the very last hour of the day. He gave them the same wage. He gave them the same reward. Also, in the parable of the sower, when he's speaking about the good ground, he's saying the good ground can bring about 30-fold or 60-fold or 100-fold, and in the end, they're all rewarded the same. Why? Because God gives us different capacities. God gives us different experiences. You, he judges the person who maybe was born into a family that was attending the church for their entire life and they had every opportunity 
to serve him one way and he, and he judges the person who never even heard about Christianity until later in their life, he judges them a different way based on what it is that they have been given. So we cannot judge people on face value and say, okay, well, this person is doing this and this person is doing this. Even those who offer the least, even those who come to Christ at the very end of their life, like the right-hand thief, Christ told him what, today you will be with me in paradise. I'm, 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 I'm not going to judge you for all the time that you wasted your entire life because even in the last moment you came and offered a pure repentance and I accept it and you will be with me in paradise. So sometimes again we judge people according to how much they have offered but Christ does not. He does not judge us according to how much we have offered. He looks at the intention of the heart and he wants us to offer to him with all the all we have and maybe even if we offer less than other people if we give him the best then this is all that he cares about so today we spoke about several ways that christ lifts up the sinner and encourages and motivates us next week god willing we'll continue this topic but we'll speak about how not to lift up people what are what are some of the misconceptions in the world that people think they are lifting up other people but they're actually not and may god grant us this desire to emulate Christ, to imitate him, to be like him, and to serve his people the way that he serves us. And glory be to God forever. Amen.